chapter 3, and uh, we're looking at uh, things to put on uh, this morning. We uh, looked at some things that we are to take off. Uh, Bible says that uh, in Colossians chapter 3, that uh, we have been raised with Christ, and we need to be seeking the things that are above. That means if our lives are in Christ, we are kingdom citizens. And as kingdom citizens, there are things that we shouldn't be wearing. We looked at those things two weeks ago. There are things that we need to put to death in our life. Uh, We talked about sexual immorality and we talked about uh, anger and wrath and malice and slander. Things that... um, that we see all around us. We're saturated with these things in this culture, these, these earthly things. But as kingdom citizens, we're not to allow these things to influence our lives, that we are to set our mind on things above. And so last week, two weeks ago, we talked about things that we are to put to death, that we are not to wear. Now we're going to come to uh, verses 12 through 14 this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I want to go ahead and I want to read those few passages, verses of Scripture this morning. Paul says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So as we talked about what to take off last week, uh, there is a responsibility as believers that there are some things that we need to put on. If we just merely talk about or focus on what to take off, um, you know, and not put th- other things on, then we're going to look kind of re- ridiculous. We're going to look kind of, of naked. And if we just focus on the things that to say no to rather than putting on the things that God wants us to wear if 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 we become um, self-absorbed by what we're not wearing we can become self-righteous by what we are not wearing but there are things that Paul tells us that we need to put on. And in setting up verses 13 and 14, Paul begins verse 12 by focusing on be who God says you are. Think about whom God says you are. What does God say about us? Paul says that we are chosen. We are people who are chosen. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God chose you. This isn't something that you did to earn a relationship with with him. This is something that you received. 
And we need to remind ourselves and know that God has chosen you. God wanted you. We have been adopted by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I think of uh, Mindy and Ryan who are up here. Some of you were probably, I think they've left to go uh, do some other responsibilities, but uh, some of you were probably surprised that Mindy had a baby in her arms. You know, she, she Mindy didn't look like she had been expecting. She hit it really well, didn't she? Well, the fact is, Mindy and Ryan adopted uh, little Rocky James. And they've known, I think, for probably about two months uh, that there was a possibility that they were going to become this little baby's parents. And over these last two months, this little baby has grown in their heart. This is a baby that they long for, that they wanted. And before they could even see this baby or, you know, or had seen a sonogram or anything of this nature, in their hearts, they wanted this child. Now, did little Rocky have an opportunity to decide on who the parents, his parents were going to be? No. And neither did we. If we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Ephesians that before the foundations of the earth, God knew your name. And God wanted you. And God chose you. I know that that leads to a whole lot of different questions. I just want to encourage you not to go there. But just think about the fact that you were wanted by God and God chose you. Paul says you're chosen. Paul says you're holy. You are set apart. You have been adopted into God's royal family. You are significant. You are his treasured possession. You are special. You know, if you come to our house, well, Susan and I, when we were first married, we had on our register request this china, these special dishes. Um, These dishes are really special. In fact, I thought about bringing one of the plates to church this morning, but I probably would have gotten in trouble (laughs) if I had brought one of those china plates. I mean, this is very special, um, um, not silverware, what do you call it? Dinnerware, okay? And, And we only bring it out for very special occasions. That's the way we are. In the eyes of God, we're like fine china. Okay? We are special to Him. We're not paper plates. Okay? We are, have been set apart. Paul says you are 
holy. Paul says, you are beloved. You are the apple of God's eyes. This is how much you are treasured. This is how much we mean to God. And so this is part of being kingdom citizens. This is part of setting our minds on things above. Of how special that we are to God. And in understanding this, I just want to encourage you to not make your relationship with God, God revolving around you. No, it's not about you. It's about him. And But what you mean to him, and in knowing what we mean to him, it's going to be easier to put on the following clothes that he wants us to wear. Paul is saying, be who God says you are. You know, I think of um, high school students and um, maybe Burroughs, Burroughs students, okay? Burroughs athletes who uh, have uh, letterman's jackets. You wouldn't see Burroughs athletes wearing Barstow letterman jackets, would you? No, it's particularly on game day. Or ICS students, okay? You wouldn't see ICS athletes wearing Trona Letterman's jackets, would you? Absolutely not. Well, that's the way it is with us who are followers of Christ. You know, God doesn't want us to be wearing the opponent's or the enemy's wardrobe. He wants us to be clothed in kingdom clothes. And so what do these kingdom clothes look like? I'm going to go through these very quickly because we don't have a whole lot of time this morning. Paul says to put on compassion. Compassion. Compassion means that you care for others, that you are empathetic about what's going on in other people's lives. That this compassion... This word compassion comes from um, the bowels of the body, okay, bowels of mercy. And so when we share compassion, it come, it's coming from the depths of our soul. We care about others. In wearing the clothes of compassion, that means that we are not the center of our universe, that we're not thinking about ourselves, that we are thinking about other people. Kindness. Kindness means to be considerate. Is there something that you need? Is there something that I can do for you? I don't always ask that question. And I need to do a better job at that. When I'm in the hospital, when I'm visiting somebody, or if I'm with somebody who's lost a loved one, I've been trying to do a better job recently asking the question, is there something that we can do for you? What do you need? 
That's putting on kindness. This is a piece of clothing that that Paul says that we need to be wearing. A third piece of clothing is humility. Humility. Now, when Paul was writing this to uh, the church at Colossae, this is predominantly a Greek community. Humility was not a virtue. Humility was a vice. If you were to read any kind of Greek literature, you would not see humility as a virtue. It would be a vice. It was a, a symbol of weakness. But in God's kingdom, humility is a virtue. And who above all else displayed humility um, in God in, in, in the scriptures? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Two Christmases ago, we spent uh, three Sundays in Philippians chapter 2 looking at the humility of Jesus Christ. All that he gave up to come and live among us. And Jesus displayed that, and Paul encouraged us that just as Christ showed humility, so that needs to be a part of our lives. Humility is a virtue uh, that represents kingdom citizens. You know, I've never seen uh, people who got into conflict um, that were humble people. People who are humble typically don't get into conflict. It's people who are full of pride and um, and not humility. Now, what does humility mean? You know, humility doesn't mean to uh, think less of yourself. You know, I know some people who just like to beat themselves up, thinking that the more they beat themselves up, you know, the more that God will be pleased with their life or that they deserved um, this condemnation upon themselves. That's not the humility that Scripture's talking about. The humility in God's Word is not thinking uh, less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. Not being so self-absorbed about you, but thinking about others. You know, as you come into conversation or, or um, relationship with other people, you know, it, humility is not talking about yourself, everything that's going on in your life. Humility is what's going on in your life. How can I pray for you? You know, I, I see this in your life. And, or uh, how, how can I help you? Whatever. That's humility. It's thinking of others more than thinking of yourself. Humility. Put on humility. Put on meekness. Meekness. Now, when you see the word meekness, it's not... Um, uh, allowing other people to control you. 
not allowing other people, allowing other people to walk all over you, being a doormat. We're not talking about that. That's not meekness. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is tough and tender. Meekness is strength under control. Think about a dad who's in the military. And he comes back um, from wherever he's been serving. And he comes home and he sees his little boy. And he, he's reconnecting with his little boy. Here, the, here this dad is, you know, he's fit, he's, he's strong, um, but he gets on his knees and he starts to wrestle with his little boy. And they're having a great time and he allows his little boy to put his shoulders on the ground and pin his little boy. That's a great definition of meekness. It's strength under control. It's strength. It's it's being tough, but tender. Jesus was tough. When Jesus came into Jerusalem that uh, that week uh, before uh, on Palm Sunday, before he was crucified that Friday. Jesus didn't come in on a war horse. Jesus came in on a donkey. On a humble donkey. Meek. But he was strength under control. So here we have four articles of clothing. How are you doing so far? Are you a person who's wearing compassion, showing compassion? Are you a person who's kind and considerate? Are you a humble person? Are you a meek person? The fifth article of clothing is patience. Now, when you see that word patience, it's not pertaining to circumstances. It's pertaining to people. And there's two ways that we need to display patience with other people. First is forbearance. Let's go back to the scripture passage. Patience, bearing with one another, Paul says in verse 13. Bearing with one another. Forbearing. Putting up with others who may have some quirks that might just kind of drive you crazy. But you know what? You need to be forbearing. You need to be patient with them. Do you have any EGR people in your life? You know what an EGR person is? Extra grace required. Do you have anybody like that in your life? My wife is nodding as she looks at me right now. Yeah, she really has to be forbearing with me, that's for sure. But we all have people in our lives that we, that require extra grace. Paul says, to be kingdom minded, to put on the clothing of patience, you need to be forbearing with one another. 
Now, as we're talking about these uh, different virtues, these different attributes of kingdom citizens, these all all pertain to relationships. Okay? If we're going to have healthy relationships in our lives, we've got to be displaying these virtues. These virtues have to be part of our life. And so when it comes to patience... Uh, we need to be forbearing. We want to show each other some grace. Give some people some space who have a tendency of driving us up the wall. Okay? So being forbearing. But then Paul also says being forgiving. Uh, let's go on in verse 13. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Okay, again, this is all under this word patience, that we need to be forgiving one another. And he says, just just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Is there somebody that you're not being patient with today? Because you're not willing to forgive them. God wants us to wear the article of clothing of patience when it comes to forgiving others. Because God has forgiven you of so much, so you must be willing to forgive others. I talked about this a little bit the first uh, Sunday of, um, of December. I'm not going to go back to that uh, today, but maybe you want to go back to uh, that first Sunday of, of uh, December as we talked about forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiveness is not trust. There's a difference between forgiveness and, for, and trust. Forgiveness is free and Forgiveness can happen in a moment. But trust takes time. There was a husband and wife in our church some time ago. And uh, the, the husband had an affair with a co-worker. And that was a very difficult issue for this um, husband and wife to work through. It took months. And the, and the wife forgave the husband. And the husband had the idea that he wanted to go back to where he was employed because, uh, who he, this was a coworker that he had had an affair with. And he approached his wife and uh, asked, would it be all right if he would go back, if he could go back to work and uh, work alongside this coworker? And the wife said, absolutely not. Was she right in saying that? Absolutely. And the husband said, why? You've forgiven me. Don't you trust me? No. You're going to need to find another uh, place of employment. Forgiveness is not trust. Trust 
takes a great deal of time. Forgiveness happens in a moment. And God wants you to forgive. But trust, trust takes time. And forgiveness isn't something that happens only one time. I know for some of you, there there are things that have happened in your life that have wounded you deeply. And that wound has has a way of resurrecting itself in your life. And you're hurt all over again. And it's really hard for you to get past this. And I just want to encourage you as your pastors this morning, if this is, this is something that continues to raise its ugly head in your life, as it, as that event raises its ugly head, guess what? This is another opportunity for you to forgive. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. You have to forgive over and over and over again. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive a person? Jesus said, 70 times seven. Essentially what he was saying, don't count. Don't keep track. Just keep forgiving. And if you don't forgive. Friend, you are going to be in demonic torment. You are going to be demon oppressed. I'm not saying that you are demon possessed. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know what? Greater is he that is in you, the Lord Jesus Christ, than he that is in the world. Satan cannot possess you, but Satan can certainly oppress you. And if you don't have a heart that is willing to forgive, you are going to continue to live in demonic torment. And how do I know that that's so? Because Satan and his demons have never been forgiven for anything. Nor do they ever forgive. It is not in their DNA. And that demonic oppression wants you to be, to be miserable. He, they want you to continue to bear a grudge. To keep a record of wrong. Because forgiveness would set you free. And they don't want you to be free. Paul's saying, put on patience. Forgive others as God has forgiven you. That's being a kingdom citizen. And maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, if I forgive them, I can't afford to forgive them. I can't, I can't allow them to get away from everything. As God is healing you, 
as you keep giving it to the Lord, God's going to help you to get away from everything. Forgive. Allow God's spirit to set not only the person who has offended you free in your own mind, but he's going to set you free as well. And then the last piece of clothing, and this is the most important piece. Paul says, put on love. Verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is kind of like the belt that keeps all the, the, the pieces of the wardrobe together. And it is the most important piece of garment. Again, all these virtues have to do with relationships. And Paul says, love needs to be the most important virtue. My question to you this morning is, are, are you struggling in a particular relationship? What, what article of clothing are you not wearing that you need to put on that will help you uh, in this relationship that you're struggling with right now? The most important piece is love. If we allow the issue um, to be um, most important in our mind rather than love, that issue is going to continue to, to distort the relationship, to keep the wall up, to, to blow that conversation up. And Paul is saying that love needs to be more important than the issue. If we allow the issue to be most important, we'll never work the relationship out. But if we make love the highest priority, we have an opportunity to work on the issue. Guess what, church? Love needs to be the highest priority as, as we come together as one church and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? It's not the, you know, the issue isn't about style. What we're going to sing or not sing. The highest priority in our church needs to be love. And as we make love the highest priority, worship is not going to be an issue. And it's all going to be about Jesus. It looks like you want to clap right now for that. I think we can clap for that. Amen. Let's let love be the highest priority. And God will work out all the other details.
I'm excited about the days ahead. It's been a little bit stressful leading up to this moment. But I think next week is going to be glorious as we come together as one church. And so church, the close, our compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience with people, showing them some grace, forgiving them so that God can set not only them free, but you free. And above it all, love. Let's pray. There's not going to be a hymn of invitation this morning. This is, this is a quiet moment of meditation. Is there a relationship that you're struggling with right now? Paul says you have a responsibility, Christian. Don't wait for the person who's offended you to come to you. You take the first step. What piece of garment have you neglected? What earthly piece of garment have you been wearing proudly? Paul says, put that to death. Whether it be anger or wrath or malice, slander, Obscene talk, lying, put it to death. Put on your kingdom clothes. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, that's that's not very easy. You don't know what you're asking. That's why we have to depend on Jesus. Asking him to help. Give it to the Lord right now. Say, God, I need you. Help me. Help me reflect who I am, whom, how you see me as your chosen one, as your holy one, your special one. Your set apart one, your beloved one. Thank you, Jesus, for that reminder this morning. Help us to be whom you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said,